This morning we're going to kind of uh, go in a circle this morning, actually, uh, quite frankly, uh, so just to let you know from the, from the beginning, we're going to go all the way around in, 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 in a circle. Maybe you're like, that's every week. Fair enough. Um, so here's where we'll start. The last sentence of James chapter 2, verse 13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I, I've, I've put a hashtag out on, on Facebook a couple of days ago, and then again this morning, and uh, you can use that hashtag for you know, what, what's standing out to you today, but hashtag mercy triumphs. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We're the second week of this series called Functional Church, and what are the functions of the church? And last week we looked at the first and foremost function of a church is that we find lost things. That's what we do. Um, and then, it sounds like we just entered into a Geico commercial or something. Uh, but um, th- today we're going to take a look at the second function of the church. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's a thought, but that's not the function. We'll get to the function in a minute. But mercy triumphs over judgment. I mean, that's a nice sentence, right? That's a, that's a coffee mug sentence. That's a t-shirt sentence. Surely somebody, please tell me, in Christendom, somebody has put that on a t-shirt because I have read some really bad things on a t-shirt in Christendom, right? Like some really bad things. And so hopefully somebody has put that on a t-shirt. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And put that on a coffee mug. Mercy triumphs over judgment. But at the same time, while it goes on a coffee mug really well, and it goes on a t-shirt really well, and we kind of get warm fuzzies thinking about that sentence, what does it mean, right? Like if you stop and go, mercy triumphs over judgment, okay, yeah, amen, and yes, and more, and please, and thank you, and all that. What does it mean? So let's break down the core words in that. Mercy, right? Mercy. Mercy is compassion with action. Uh, Many of our Bibles will, will, will do like a section break right at the end of this verse, and then go to another section, and we think, oh, these are different thoughts. But Paul actually gives a real live looking uh, 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 example of mercy, compassion with action. He said, if somebody you know comes up to you and says, I need food, water, shelter, clothing, etc., and you go, God bless your heart, I'll pray for you, that's not mercy. Nor is it faith. He said, I will show you my faith by my works. Faith isn't looking at somebody and going, God bless your heart, I'll pray for you. Mercy is actually putting that, oh, I feel sorry for you, into action and actually doing something about it. Judgment, what judgment is, is seeing something wrong with somebody else and saying, I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to give you mercy. I'm not going to give you compassion. That's what judgment is. There is something wrong with you, so therefore, I am not going to serve you. I am not going to give you mercy. I am not, I, 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 I am not going to bestow compassion upon you. James actually identifies one of them. I'm going to talk about four different ones today. Uh, uh, reasons why we might look at somebody and say, there's something wrong with you because of this, and so therefore, I will not serve you. And so the first one that James talks about is actually earlier in chapter 2. I was going to read it, but that's no fun. Uh, uh, so, so this is what... Uh, Jack, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Man, the way that you look, you must be rolling in it. Like, wow. 
Like, you're, I'm, I'm sure, you're so humble. You're so humble. I'm sure that you could have diamond studded the way that you look in your appearance. I bet you're just rolling in it. Yeah. And I bet you're so humble. You, you could have diamond studded flip-flops, but instead you've gone the humble route. I'm, man, I am sure you have the best job. Uh, the best job. Uh, and that you're just rolling in yeah. all the money. We obviously, the pe- when you came in, the people showed you to the best seats in the house yeah. because in the Baptist church, that you know, that we're in the back seat here, and I can get out quickest from here. You can right if yeah if it actually sets on fire, yeah. you're you're we're, good. We're out. And so I I'm so glad that thank you. man. Thank you for taking me. We're privileged to have you in here and all your wealth and and all of that, and so. Uh, PA, you obviously got your shirt from a thrift store, and we ushered you up to the front, so you're here. That's what James talks about. It's 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 in the event app. But if you look at somebody that comes in that's new to your to 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 your setting, and you size them up and go, they're rich, and so therefore. You pay extra special attention to why would you, why would a church do that, right? It's called a budget. And then a poor person comes in, and you say, "Just stand over here or sit at my feet, aka where a dog would sit." James says, "We have evil thoughts." If you read James, uh, put your big boy pants on. He like nussle, uh, cuddles in real close and then screams at you. That's just how he does it, right? He says, if, if you treat somebody different because of their social status, in particular social, social economical status, you have evil thoughts. There's also three other ways. Three other ways that we can... We can uh, look at somebody and then decide not to have compassion on them. Next, we go to Acts chapter 10. This is ethnically. See, Jews didn't do anything with anybody of other nationalities or ethnicities. But God gave Peter, a vision in Acts chapter 10 that, first of all, allows us to eat bacon. Thank you, sweet Jesus, for doing that. And then, second of all, that says that no person is off limits from serving because of their ethnicity. Peter said to them, a group of Greeks, a group of Gentiles, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate or visit a foreigner but God has shown me that I must not call any person common or unclean. That is why I came without any objection to you when I was sent for. So I ask, why did you send for me? Peter served these Gentiles, this Roman centurion Gentile, because God knocked those barriers down in a vision. If we decide not to serve somebody because of their ethnicity, that's evil thoughts. In this day, in the first century day, 
the idea of ethnicity and religion were just almost completely intermarried. It's not quite that way today, but there are certain ethnicities that the thought of religion is pretty much intertwined. And some Christians say, don't serve them. I would say that's evil thoughts according to the Bible. Another reason why we wouldn't serve somebody is gender specific. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Like, well, Paul's talking about Christians. Uh, guys, we're male and female before we become Christians, correct? Newsflash. So if we decide not to serve somebody according to our gender, that's evil thoughts. I think probably most people sitting here, like, you know, you amen that in your head. And all three of those, it's pretty easy thoughts, you know, to, to, to tie our minds around those, those three thoughts. But the one that we're going to struggle the most with is this last one, and it's morally. And we usually hear this in, in, the, in, in, in some form of this phrase of, I don't agree with that lifestyle. Okay? 1 Corinthians 6. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality, no thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And maybe you're saying, well, hold on, that actually uh, doesn't lend to your argument, that lends to my argument that we shouldn't serve them. But newsflash, that's a period, not a change of thought. If we kept reading, we would stop using these verses as a beat stick. And some of you used to be like this. used to be like this. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Paul went into Corinth and served the people of Corinth no matter how morally wrong they were. Some of them believed Some of them didn't. And the ones that believed were formed into a church. And Paul is telling them, you were once like this, but remember, I served you. I I earned the right to preach the gospel to you. I preached the gospel to you. And now you believe. And because you believe, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. God looked at you and said, you have never sinned. Newsflash. God doesn't agree with any of our lifestyles. Newsflash, God didn't agree with my lifestyle. There are lifestyle choices I make right now God still doesn't agree with. And He already knows the lifestyle choices that I will make that He doesn't agree with. But guess what He did anyway? He served me by dying on the cross, forgiving me of my sins, washing me, sanctifying me, looking at me and saying, Shane, you've never sinned. What? We don't serve somebody because 
we do not agree with their lifestyle, James characterizes that as evil thoughts. To take this a step further, James, in James chapter 2, he digs deeper into the specific sin that this is. James chapter 2, verse 8. Indeed, if you keep the royal law prescribed in the Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. Right? There's two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like that. Second is 1A. It's 1A and 1B. You actually show that you do the first because you do the second. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law yet falls in one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. So if you commit adultery, if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you are a lawbreaker. Paul or Peter is telling us that if we show favoritism to somebody, if we judge them because we do not agree with them or there is something about them that we do not like, so therefore we do not serve them, we are murdering them. It's called character assassination, right? He's a bit sarcastic, and I'll go a little more sarcastic because that's my spiritual gift. He says, you kept your pants on, bro. Well done. Good job. But you've assassinated their character. It's called murder. Premeditated. Murder. Every sin can be washed, including that of murder. Just ask Paul the Apostle, right? Every sin can be washed, every sin can be forgiven, every sin can be looked at by God and said, That never happened. But we must repent of our sin, including the sin, judgmentalism and favoritism. Because it is murder to play favorites. And it's that way. Because everybody's made in the image of God. Everybody. Those who hear and follow Jesus, those who have committed their lives to Jesus, are being renewed in the image of God. And those who have not trusted in Jesus are candidates for being renewed in the image of God. And how do we earn the right to teach them about the image of God that is stamped on their soul? The second function of the church. We are here to serve all. We are here to serve all. Not just who we like. Not just who we get along with. Not just who we agree with. Not just who we like their lifestyle choices, all. 
We are here to serve all. There's a second reason why this is a big deal, even beyond the image of God reason. To come back around full circle, James chapter 2, verse 12, speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of freedom. That phrase, that phrase, I've, I've thought about this this week because uh, our, our Bible study plan has taken us to James this week, and he says this law of freedom in chapter 1, and he says this again in chapter 2, the law of freedom. See, many of us, maybe even here this morning, see the law as restrictive. God, why can't you, why won't you let me do this? But if we're doing it right, according to Jesus, according to the entire Bible, we find God's law as freeing. And if we're doing it right, if we're doing the law right, it's not only freeing for us, but we bring freedom to other people as well. When we assassinate somebody's character, we are not freeing them to be the person God has created them to be. See, this is the evil genius behind the mean girl or the bully phenomenon. We are constricting, we are the boa constrictor around their image. As we assassinate somebody's character, we are confining them into a corner and we have them exactly where we want them. But the law of freedom brings freedom to all people, not just us when we want to take advantage of our freedom, but we bring freedom to somebody else. We bring freedom to those we serve. See, for judgment is without mercy to the one who hasn't shown mercy. Guys, if we do not repent where we have judgmental and favoritist attitudes, if we do not repent, there is a judgment waiting for us. God will not have mercy on us. But I prayed a prayer. Who cares? God doesn't. We can pray a prayer and still be racist. We can pray a prayer and still have issues with somebody else's gender. We can pray a prayer and still have issues with somebody's lifestyle and treat them however we want to. But the Bible is clear. If we are not willing to forgive somebody, if we are not willing to show people mercy, if we are not willing to be compassionate towards our neighbor, and God defines, Jesus himself defines neighbor as everybody on the face of this earth, God's not willing to have mercy on us. I don't know about you, but that's a big deal. Why does mercy triumph over judgment? Because mercy brings freedom. It brings freedom to our souls. When we have mercy on people, we become free. We do not get locked down into an image or into what we have to do to get somebody cornered so that we have control over them. We bring freedom to our souls, but we also bring freedom to other people's souls. And that's what Jesus did to us. That's what Jesus did to us. For us. I believe Crosspoint 
is on the right track. Otherwise, we wouldn't have Nightlight as our mission partner, right? But to ignore the Bible because Crosspoint is on the right track is dangerous as well because how easy is it to get off track? Incredibly easy. Mercy triumphs over judgment is such a phrase for today, right? It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. If we understand the second function of the church, we are here to serve all. We win. Right? Mercy triumphs. We win. We win. And every last person we serve wins. We may not look tough. We may not look in control. We may not look like the world wants us to look. We may not look how our denomination wants us to look. I can give a fuck anyway. <laughs> but we win. We win if we get this. We are here to serve all. Why should Hard Rock have a better slogan than the church? Right? Why should Phil and Jared and Jack and Paul go to a Comic Con and go come back and go, that was the most non judgmental atmosphere I've ever experienced. And they've grown up in church. What? Right? Nuts. Nobody else should have the corner on this market more than us. And if we get this right, it doesn't matter how we look to anybody else, especially the religious. We win. Do you want to win this week? We are here to serve all. That's how we win. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You. We thank You for You serving us. We thank You for how You served us despite our lifestyle choices. I pray, Lord, that where we need repentance here, that we do this. Step us even farther into the game of we are here to serve. Mold, move, change our hearts. Thank you, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.